What's up, geeks? In preparation for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and the official start of MCU's Phase 5, today's show is all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Just remember, the hardest choices require the strongest wills. My name is Kev, and if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geekcentric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geekcentric. Let me introduce the all-star team of butt-kicking Geekvengers we've assembled for today's episode. First off, he's not mean, but he loves the green. It's the Incredible Darce. Hello, hello. I like that intro. Uh, next up, he lives in a different time zone, so he's always an hour in the future. You could almost say he's the master of time. It's Nate the Conqueror. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stomp your ant face, oh, you ant man. <laughs> Spot on. Spot Better on. than like they should have cast me, dude. That's what they should have done. Oh my gosh, get Jonathan Majors out of here. Uh, ah. And finally, he's such an amazing photographer. Even J. Jonah Jameson would give him some props. It's the amazing J. Law. <laughs> hey man, I like that intro. That's great. How are you? Nice. Uh, doing well. Very excited for our chat tonight. It's crazy to think, but this May will mark the 15th anniversary of the movie that started it all, 2008's Iron Man. Who would have known that a decade and a half later, Marvel Studios would build out an unthinkably large cinematic universe? Just how extensive is the MCU? Well, Black Panther Wakanda Forever closed off the fourth phase as the 30th movie in the series. And there have also been eight television series expanding the ever-growing canon so far. All told, the runtime for the MCU is up to a staggering 6,462 minutes, or 108 hours worth of content. It would take four and a half straight days to watch it all. Uh, now, if you're a regular listener of the show, you know we've talked a lot about Marvel shows and movies since we started the program back in 2019. So to keep things fresh with our panel of geeky experts, we're going to discuss some of our faves, things we would change, and even some disappointments from the aforementioned first four phases. And remember, these answers encompass all 38 pieces of comic book movie goodness from the first four phases. Alrighty. We're going to ask Justin first here, what is your favorite movie so far? Obviously, there's a lot of content. There's 30 movies to go through, so to distill it down to one is 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 difficult. It's a difficult Near task. Near impossible. But there, the one movie that I, I keep coming back to, and I think that it was so small, I, I guess you could say, uh, in, in the grand scheme of the MCU, but it had the biggest impact, and it really showed the trajectory of what the MCU is is able to do and that is Captain America Winter Soldier. I think Ooh. I think it is as a film that that tells the story of Captain America in today's society in today's time with the sensibility of a spy thriller. It was such a perfect genre blend and I think that from then on became very clear how Marvel was going to tell its stories in the cinematic space. And I feel like Captain America and the Winter Soldier was so defining in that because it allowed them to keep things fresh and have a fresh approach to telling the story rather than following falling into the holes or the pitfalls of being just a typical superhero movie. So yeah, Captain America Winter Soldier is my favorite movie from the first four phases. Nice. That was that was kind of the film that like elevated Marvel movies to that next level, right? Really really made people pay attention uh, to them. Nate, how about yourself? Yeah. Yeah, that one was one that made uh 
made people's dads watch Marvel stuff, I guess, right? Like, that's, yeah, and you know, the, 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 the Tom Clancy watching people. Um, and at a time where there wasn't so much that they had to catch up on first to, to get immersed, right? It'd be really hard to start somebody on the MCU now, but Winter Soldier would have been feasible back then. There we go. Uh, for me, my favorite movie is a cop-out. It's the boring answer, just like Empire Strikes Back for Star Wars fans. Uh, I'm pretty vanilla here in saying that my favorite movie from Phase 1 to 4 uh, is Avengers Endgame. Um, it's one of those movies that I went in at a 10, and I came out on the hype scale at a 12. Uh, you can see our YouTube spoiler-filled review. That was a fun video I rewatched today. Um, but, the, you know, this movie it goes to some really dark places. The way it handles letting go of some of the core characters in ways um, that, that we can see the true culmination of their growth throughout the preceding 21 films is awesome. Uh, and they pick the right characters to sort of say goodbye to in that moment. Um, I, the music, the the way it pretty much gives every character its time to shine uh, and the way it acts as a final chapter in a 22 film story arc. Uh, this movie has it all and uh, and I don't know if they'll be able to top it, but rather, you know, give us two movies at the end of phase six that are different enough, but stand alongside Infinity War and Endgame. Um, but yeah, man, vanilla answer. I know, boring, but Endgame no, is no, my no, 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 no. I'm just gonna yeah. say it right now because these are all opinion based. There is no wrong answer. Okay, good. But that Phew. is especially true when you're talking about freaking Endgame, man. It's that is so especially good. true. Yeah, uh, Darce, how about yourself? Uh, mine might be pr- probably pretty easy to predict. Uh, my favorite one definitely would be uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I love the character Thor already, and that movie was the one that brought back the comedic kind of roots we kind of saw at the beginning in Thor 1, but they kind of got put on the wayside for Dark World. So, I mean, Ragnarok is just perfect at the introduction of Korg, him versus Hulk. I mean, so many good things were introduced in that movie, and they've done the character so well. So, yeah, Ragnarok for me. Beautiful. These are all answers that made my very, very short list of absolute favorites. Uh, for myself, I went with uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, for me, it's the ultimate really? origin story in the MCU. I, I just... The moment he jumps on that grenade and he like truly earns his superpowers, I was mm. I was instantly a cap guy and I've never been able to shake it. Uh yeah, plain and simple, Captain America the First Avenger, America's ass all day, baby. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh all right, let's shift right to our next question. Our favorite TV show so far. Nate, we're going to start with you. All right. Well, this one for me was actually tougher uh than which movie because they all have some really great strengths to them. You know, Hawkeye, What If, She-Hulk are some of the most fun I've had in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and especially Miss Marvel, I think set a new standard for representation in the MCU. And then, you know, you've got Moon Knight, which is unbalanced, but like the twist at episode four is so delicious. Um, and then WandaVision was a masterclass in acting uh, and an incredible performance from Lizzie Olsen and Paul Bettany. Uh, but for me, my favorite show so far, and I'm stoked that it's getting a second season, uh, is Loki. I think, you know, maybe minus one episode in the middle, it was the most consistent from a writing and character development standpoint um, to take Loki and explore every aspect of that character and at the same time, the way they opened up the multiverse to sort of jumpstart that process and, and, you know, get audiences to learn about the multiverse and the way they were able to take the most important things that we thought were so important from, you know, these, these the past movies that we've gotten um, and just sort of 
trivialize them in some of the most fun ways. It just it's a show that shows that Marvel can get weirder than a tree and a talking raccoon um, <laughs> because we can have an alligator Loki, uh, and it absolutely rocked. So for me, as much as I sort of waver, I go back and forth between WandaVision and Loki, I'm sticking with Loki on this one. Darcy, let's jump to you. Uh, well, Nate mentioned my favorite one. He, he kind of mentioned all the shows there. Had I did. A, had yeah. a shadow of all of them. I love that. But Moon Knight, to me, was a standout because they decided to go so you know out of the box. It's not your typical superhero. And the fact that Oscar Isaac did such a great job portraying not only Mark Spector, but Stephen Grant, and then opening the door for maybe a Jake later on, like... Uh, it, it's so good. I cannot wait for more of that show. And, and, and a lot of it comes down to the fact that Oscar Isaac is Moon Knight to me. So good. Awesome. Another great choice. Just how about yourself? Yeah. You know, again, as Nate was saying, there's so many there's been so many great series uh, that the MCU has introduced since uh, Disney Plus. And with just this year getting Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk, they kind of reimagines what heroes look like. Um, and, and last year was obviously the tumultuous introduction of the MCU in episodic format. And I think that was some of the best content. And uh, yeah, I'm like Nate. I wavered between WandaVision and Loki because both of them were very consistent. Uh, I, I don't think that that either one of them really had a bad episode. Um, and I think for, that comes down to the perspective focused on the character. Um, but Loki definitely shines as being my favorite TV show only because of what it does uh, for the MCU. I think that as much as WandaVision established some interesting theories, it didn't really go too far. But at least with Loki, every episode was definitely a cliffhanger. And at the end of this season, it had me very excited to see more of Jonathan Majors uh, as as Kang. So, yeah, Loki for sure. Yeah, I, th I think Loki uh, of all the shows sort of really did the most to set up you know, huge steps moving from forward. From the TV side. Yes, exactly. From the TV side. Right? Um, so. Yeah, and so, I mean, th it kind of goes against what I'm about to say about my answer uh, in that while I thought so many of these shows, if not all of them, were really, really great in their own way, I found most kind of ended with a bit of a whimper. But I didn't find that to be the case with What If. So when I was going through my my choices, I was shocked that I actually ended up on What If, like Nate Shirt says. Um, <laughs> I just think the show worked so much better than I ever expected it to. And I was so surprised at how well all of those episodes came together at the end and made for such a satisfying story. There were twists and turns all over the place. Uh, and I think I might be the most excited to see where they go with season two of the show whenever the heck we get it, as it's now been uh, delayed a little from its original Ugh. date. But no, uh, what if uh, I can't wait for, for more crazy multiversal action in that sense? What All right, if? moving on to our next one. Who is your favorite or the best villain not named Thanos, because I think we would probably all pick Thanos up to this point. So I, I wanted to go a bit outside the box. Just, you want to lead us off here? Yeah, man, I'll take this one. Um, you know, we've had a wide range of villains uh, through the first four phases of the MCU. And the one thing that's consistent is that they're inconsistent and not all of them have really great motives or defining motives other than just being the villain. Um, but in that, there are moments where some villains really do shine and they stand out because they have motivations that we as an audience member can connect with. You know, I really loved Killmonger in Black Panther because I think based on his intentions, you as an audience member can get behind it. 
Um, and I think the same can be said about Baron Zemo, who I think Ooh. is probably one of the best villains from the first four phases of the MCU. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that he has no powers and he used his intellect to get into the minds of Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and break them apart using Steve Rogers' best friends, Bucky Barnes. He knew the relationship. He knew what was going to happen. And this divided them. And we wouldn't see them come together until Endgame. You know, even in Infinity War, their stories are pitted at opposite ends. They never interact or intertwine. Plus, he's a villain that is built off of grief. He lost his family at the hands of the events of uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, the Sarkovia event that obviously is is staple to the Civil War story. So it all ties in really beautifully to create a very authentic villain that was able to destroy an empire. So yeah, Baron Zemo, best villain of the first four phases. Mine might be going a different route, but it's along the same ideas that it's uh, very much relatable in that you understand this character's drive from the beginning. And that's Gore the God Butcher from Love and Thunder. I, I found his story was adapted beautifully from the comics in that they took a lot of the core mechanics and then presented it in a way that was easy for you to understand why he was doing what he was doing. So that was hands down my favorite villain of phase one to four is Gore the God Butcher. Again, wow. maybe a bit of bias from the comics. <laughs> No, uh, I'm totally right on board with you there, Darce, and the same motivations that you mentioned, Justin, in, in sort of having a villain with, with an understandable, relatable cause. Uh, I'm going with Gore the God Butcher as well, or Atheist Bale, if you will. Uh, that might that might be because of uh, some of uh, the motivations ring very, very true with me, but I don't know, just his quest. I fully supported him in his gripes with the gods, and, I, I, and by the end of the film, I honestly felt that his redemption was well-earned and and very uh, poetic. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly just disappointed we probably won't be seeing more of him. Uh, Nate, you want to close this one off? Who I is mean, your best or fave? Don't count him out, dude. You know, I think... I think if there's an afterlife that that movie proved for for heroes, I think there's an afterlife uh, for villains, and I, I think it would be a really phenomenal thing to bring uh, someone like Gore back. But but we're not in the prediction segment yet. Um, for me, best villain. Uh, you know what? It's funny that we're all mentioning you know Gore, Zemo, Thanos, um, Eric Killmonger. I think um, you know you can. You can simultaneously hope that the heroes stop them, and at the same time, you fully understand where they're coming from, and you want to see them achieve their goals. And Killmonger has such a well-done backstory, and it perfectly ties into his intentions for his actions in Black Panther. The way they write the character is so well done that you just, you're fully on board. And by the end of the movie, he's actually still right. And, and while he goes about trying to instill his beliefs, you know, that he doesn't do that in the best way. Uh, he still manages to convince T'Challa that they need to share Wakanda with the rest of the world, or at least at least the parts of the world that could really benefit from their technology and their medical advancements. So for me, you know, and I think that's interesting that that's the theme for the best villains of the MCU. And I really do think that that's something that Marvel can really, really pay attention to because so far, the ones that are at the bottom of my list are the furthest from this. They're the people that I'm just like, why are they doing this? Why do they want to do this? What are their intentions? And by the time they die or are defeated, I still don't fully understand what the point of their existence was. Um, so for me, I think that this is an area that Marvel needs to focus on uh, when we get into something like Kang or when we get into you know future villains. Uh, I, I really hope they do. 
Yeah, I mean, I found this the most interesting to look at because it was, you know, looking at the list of villains, it was, if Marvel's struggled with anything, it has been creating a, a, a list yeah. of really good villains, and I think we've kind of this, picked yeah. out the best of the best. Look at something like Guardians, and, you know, is Ronan all that interesting? Is he, like, you know, he's kind of just there, and he's... Good performance, but but I agree with, from the standpoint yeah. of writing the character, sure. But uh, moving on, Nate, I'm going right back to you because you're our resident movie man, or a music man, I should say. You're the resident music man here on Geekcentric. What is your favorite score or soundtrack? The movie Music Man. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Honestly, the MCU has given us some incredible soundtracks thanks to James Gunn, thanks to Taika Waititi. Um, as far as scores go, Alan Silvestri is the grandfather of, uh, of you know, Portals, the music that gives us chills alongside the best scenes in Endgame. Michael Giacchino, the GOAT, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, Werewolf by Night are just at the top of my mind right now because they're so recent. And then Mark Mothersbaugh um, for Thor's theme in Ragnarok, like giving Thor a musical like sort of feeling was awesome. But for me... And this might be recency biased, but my favorite so far uh, has to be Ludwig Gornson's score for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And it's not just how hype the music can get in that movie, even though it does get hype. I think it's also the intentionality that goes into making the music. The amount that he studies the cultures, the instrumentation from those cultures is outstanding. And the fact that he actually partnered, uh, you know, he went with his partner and he, he worked with musical archaeologists who've been researching Mayan music and what it could have sounded like. And the fact that they discovered instruments in, in, in some graves like turtle shells and seashells, and they actually used you know, instruments similar to that, probably from a PETA safe standpoint or a long dead turtle or who knows, um, you know, they actually used those in their instrumentation in the score is so cool. And so it's such a creative, but also authentic approach to music making. And and that's why it's my favorite score of uh, phase one to four. Awesome. I love how you mentioned recency bias. It's like, let's see what you, your thoughts are on that in 30 movies, man. Sure. Um, which That's is totally part fair. Of the fun of it, right? Yeah. Uh, Just, how about yourself? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with, with Nate. There's been some fantastic scores uh, that we've gotten out of of the MCU. Uh, I know, Darcy, you and I have, have jammed on, on Thor Love and Thunder and Giacchino and his ability to weave in electric hair metal styles into into a cinematic score uh ludwig is is just doing great things in the mc he's doing great things everywhere but with what he's done with wakanda forever and and giving the music such life that fits organically into the movies is just phenomenal um but i i chose natalie holt for loki as my favorite score uh she did outstanding work with this series that tonally felt appropriate it brought something new to the mcu that was less orchestral but more mixed medium sounds i just felt like she really took it in her own direction it was sci-fi it was out of time if you will right there was a lot uh, of it was, tick, tick, it was tick, 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 ticking sounds there was talks yeah, yeah but like also just the the retro vibe sound of it uh it fit so well to the series they married really really well um yeah that's my favorite score favorite soundtrack is definitely anything james gunn has done uh, <laughs> for guardians because the soundtracks and the music that he picks 
is so integral to the tonality of of the mood that it, his movies go for. And I, I think that it's absolutely such a such a beautiful pairing of how he does that. And to think that that's very much an inspiration to probably him writing. I'm, I look forward to what the soundtrack for uh, volume three will be. Well, yeah, you've already got what's uh, is, is it Space Hogs. Uh, with the the tune in the uh, in the trailer, an awesome '90s tune. That's it's so cool to see that sort of bring bring back, and that's what James Gunn does so well, right? Like, I was very tempted to go with a soundtrack myself. I'm kind of a soundtrack guy, and so like Iron Man, like Hello ACDC, uh, and then like you mentioned, uh, just uh, Guardians, because James Gunn can pick a tune that perfectly fits a, a mood or emotion. Uh, but I'm going. You mentioned him already. I'm going with my guy, Sylvester, for the OG Avengers. Uh, the main theme is like a John Williams-worthy tune that has not only penetrated pop culture, but it's honestly become one of the most iconic movie themes of all time. Penetrated, wow. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's deeply penetrated. Violated, the yeah. violated my ears. Uh, you know, and, I, and it's still kind of used to define the entire MCU. So I just, I'm going OG Avengers theme as my fave. And if you want to catch a uh, quick plug here, an interview uh, with Alan Silvestri as well as Glenn Ballard, uh, Justin actually sat down uh, with the maestro himself. Uh, and so you can check that out on, on our YouTube channel. And you'll have to wait till the end of this episode, however, to find out what our YouTube channel is if you don't know it already. Okay. Hey, if I'm here for any two things, it's uh, a good plug and penetration. So Jeez. we've got oh this going gosh. on in spades. <laughs> oh my goodness, Darce, why don't we why don't oh, okay. we uh, wrap this up? Uh, what is your favorite score or soundtrack? Uh, well, I mean, Nate mentioned uh, it already. Michael Giacchino is the goat. I mean, to me, Werewolf by Night is the perfect marriage of soundtrack and like visuals because. You can't experience that show without the music to support and, and to drive the Music's home. the script, yeah, right? Exactly. Like it, the music, it drives yeah. the pacing of the plot so well. So, yeah, hands down, mm-hmm. we're off by night to me because it still stands out as, again, being that perfect marriage between visuals and sound. Awesome. Well, you know, I, I love that we've kept it pretty darn civil up to this point. Actually, Kevin, uh, I disagree with you. I'm mad oh, at you now. We go. Well, then I think we should have a fight. Oh, Speaking we should. Of, Speaking of, Darce, why don't you lead us off here? What is the best or your favorite fight scene? Well, I mean, I, I was wondering if how many of you are going to say this too, because in my opinion, this is the penultimate, like the best, not penultimate, the best fight scene in the MCU, and it's the Endgame fight scene with the original three going to town on Thanos, and then those portals opening up. Just the half an hour that that battle in, entails is just edge of your seat excitement the entire time when you know cat picks up the hammer when he says avengers assemble for the final oh. time with those oh so many good things that give me chills even just talking about it now uh yeah i'm right there with you uh you know there were so many to choose from you know i even had two finalists from captain america civil war alone but i you know i went with not even just the whole fight from endgame that original the the three on one mm-hmm. with our, our three og avengers against thanos the stakes are at an all-time high the energy and exci- excitement was palpable, and the theatrical experience of seeing Cap catch Mjolnir and then smoke Thanos with it, I don't know if it'll ever be topped. Spider-Man, 
Uh, no Way Home came close, but that that theater experience was still one of a kind and tops. That was those were just and to have waited ten plus years for those moments to come to fruition, it was unbelievable. Justin, how about yourself? Well, I had I had a variety of of fights on here. Uh, I think most specifically uh, the one that you're, you're speaking of from Endgame. Uh, it was specifically Cap and Thanos. Um, with Mjolnir, I think that 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 whole choreography, that scene, was absolutely great. Um, I like a lot of the hand-to-hand combats. You know, you have the great fight scene in the streets in uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Um, you have the final battle in Civil War. Again, connecting back to my favorite villain, uh, Zemo, um, who you know you see Tony fighting Cap, fighting Captain America. It's a broken bromance. Things are happening. Um, it's it's a great fight. But I did go with something that was more recent because I actually watched it before, and I I have to give kudos to the actors, uh, Tom Holland and Willem Dafoe, uh, in Spider-Man No Way Home, mm. uh, in the apartment, yes, uh, specifically uh, the middle of the movie, more so. That fight sequence is so good, and the fact that like, you know, as as much as they probably did use stunt doubles and and you know people to kind of come in and do these things um the fact of how much the the commitment was to the hand-to-hand and not like flying around because you get that at the end obviously but the hand-to-hand combat was 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 stellar and well deserved and earned and yeah i i really enjoyed it that's my favorite from from the first four phases and i think that's just another example of marvel what they do so well right the the building tension in that scene and then the reveal of of willem dafoe it all sort of leads to that awesome confrontation that just really enhances the whole thing. Nate, uh, close us off on this question. Dude, Willem Dafoe smiling while getting punched in the face with bloody teeth <laughs> so good. is just ingrained in there. It's never going away. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the the Thanos, Cap, Thor, um, you know, Iron Man fight in Endgame. I think we got some phenomenal fight choreography in Shang-Chi, I think is uh, another one that I wanted the to shout out. Scene. Boom. Um, the bus oh, scene. Yeah, I the bus scene incredible. Was great. And I yeah. also really loved, Boom. I loved the the fight dance with with uh with you know Wen Wu and and his love and um I think her name is Yang Yang Li. Um but I I I will say um, I considered going out of left field and bringing in uh, the Daredevil hallway fight, um, but I figured we got to stick to the the Marvel MCU traditional options. Uh, so I went with with anything Bucky, but specifically um, the Cap Iron Man Bucky fight from Civil War. Mm. Um, I think is there the is. best fight scene so far. It's it's relentless, um, and the emotions and and how the the tension gets heavier and, and heavier and you don't you don't want any of them to win you know I, I talk all the time about mm. moments in Game of Thrones um you know with with you know the, two, a couple of different <laughs> just characters stop it right? just, just don't talk. Want them, I don't just want anyone to win just everyone <laughs> yeah. stop fighting Please. um I don't you're going down a path I can't, I can't follow, follow. <laughs> <laughs> and for me um I definitely think it's it's one of those ones that it's just it was just done so excellently and and the way that they they get us to that place with cap holding the shield over top of him and just striking it right into his heart and the way that that visually means something but also affects him physically it's just so good it's so good um and yeah it, this honestly the fight scene one i actually thought was maybe the hardest question that was asked cuz there are some fantastic action sequences in all of these movies 
Absolutely. Uh, and now the fight scene is something that can get us hyped during the movie, but why don't we shift back well before the movie comes out. What trailer got you the most hyped going into a movie? Why don't I start this one off? Because um, I'm going to go with Guardians of the Galaxy. Woo! Uh, I still remember thinking how batshit crazy this movie looked when I first saw that trailer. It introduced a style of humor we hadn't seen in the MCU to that point. Uh, and for me, like a lot of people, it was my first introduction to the zany and unique characters that we would soon fall in love with. Uh, and again, as we mentioned earlier, James Gunn just has this innate sense to pick the perfect song. Uh, and in this case, Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Suede, just, it, just, it just perfectly captured the tone that you were going to get from that movie. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, that, one's, that one's my all-time fave. Darcy, how about yourself? Well, I'm going all the way back to the beginning because the one that got me the most hype was the Iron Man trailer because wow. I was the fan of the comics to begin with. So seeing Iron Man coming to the big screen was huge for me. Back then, I didn't even think I'd be getting to see characters like Moon Knight or, or She-Hulk you know, gracing our screens. But we've come so far since then, and it all started with that movie and then the amazing performance of Robert Downey Jr. And that one trailer, he embodies Tony Stark so well that I was immediately like, yes, this is happening. Comic books are being, you know, done justice on the screen. So, yeah, definitely the first Iron Man movie. I mean, it got me in the theaters nine times to see it. So something was working. <laughs> it got it got our dad to go see a comic mm -hmm. book movie, the only MCU movie he ever saw. That's how good that trailer was. Mm -hmm. uh, Nate, how about yourself? I think for me, um, <clears throat> this might be recency biased again. But, you know, as much as hearing Alfred Molina say, hello, Peter, um, I think for me, and this might not for, just be the one that got me the most hyped because it, it did get me really hyped, um, but it, it I think it's the best Marvel trailer ever. And that's the first official teaser for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, hearing No Woman, No Cry seamlessly transition into Kendrick's All Right, the way it escalates from the quiet funeral scene and it just gets more and more intense. But at the same time, you can see literally just from the, the short teaser, just how invested everyone is in telling this story and forwarding this really important character um, and, and moving these stories forward is just, it's phenomenal. And honestly, even if you find faults with the movie itself, I don't think you can find a fault with the trailer. I think it's a perfect movie trailer and it's i just love it i love it i still watch it <laughs> even though i've watched the it's movie <laughs> worthy of an academy award itself it's it's so. that good of a trailer yeah uh, just close us off here well guys i am going back five years to our first trailer for avengers infinity war because you're right nate like that is recency bias you've selected black <laughs> panther wakanda forever no that trailer slap man and the way it moved you emotionally was 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 profound as a piece of marketing and it got you excited but yeah avengers infinity war this this trailer opens with nick fury's prolific there was an idea avengers pitch which is being read by the avengers yeah. plus you have this piano playing the theme song the avengers theme song while mixing in a score of dread that just drives the emotion the entire time until it gets to the end and that transitions to these heart 
palpitating drum beat and then you just hear that avengers theme song over the titles it was it gave me goosebumps the first time i watched it i watched it so many times when it came out and it got me so hyped for the movie i remember i was just riding that wave <laughs> all day i think we were i think we were at work nate when that happened i was i literally shouted at the end of that trailer like "Woo! <laughs> that is a movie trailer so yeah i'll never forget that Awesome. Well, speaking of goosebumps, I actually had a very specific uh, scene in mind when I came up with this question, as I saw it recently on TV. Uh, so I'll, 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 I'll lead this one off here. Uh, now we're going to be discussing the best bit of acting, be it in a scene or an entire movie, that people don't talk about enough. Uh, I'm going with Peter being trapped under the debris in the climax of Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, that moment as he's just crying for help essentially it just felt so real and we feel as an audience so scared for him I think more so than I have been for any comic book movie character before or since uh, in that moment he isn't a superhero he isn't Spider-Man he's just a kid that is scared for his life that wants to go home it was powerful it was endearing uh, and you know as if we needed any more reason to love Tom Holland's interpretation of the character, this just cemented him as this this guy, this this kid you want to root for and get behind all day long. So I just, watching that for the 10th time recently, I was just like, damn, that scene just, for me, it claps. I know the kids say slaps. I say claps because it made me want to just stand up and, oh, Kev's claps. and give him It's like a disease. Yes. Spreads. Claps yeah, your Kev's just going to spread. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, who wants to jump in here next? Why don't we go with Nate? Um, you know, I think bits of acting that people don't talk enough about. There is a moment in Endgame that I don't know if it's talked about enough um, because of all the amazing moments that happen in Endgame. And also because I think when people think of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, they sort of just think of Robert Downey Jr. And he's a, he's a really good actor. And 10 minutes into the movie... He's all disheveled. He's, you know, he's completely, he's so skinny. Uh, and there's just a moment where he goes off on cap. And there's a really powerful and, and just really great little improvisation on his part at the end of his line where he just whispers the word liar before ripping out his heart, telling cap to hide. And then he collapses to the ground. And there's, like he's, when he stands up, he pushes the, the plates away from him. Like it is a powerful moment of acting. And I think because there's just so many phenomenal parts of that movie, that by the end of it, you're not thinking about the first 10 minutes. You're not even thinking about probably the first half hour of the movie. You're thinking about, you know, the big things that happen. But this little tiny subtle moment, I thought was a really phenomenal acting performance from Robert Downey Jr., I mean, the man's a two-time Academy Award nominee. And so yeah. that scene that you just mentioned is just one of the many reasons that getting him for that first movie was such an integral element to the the success that would that would come from from all of that, from that one casting choice alone. Uh, Darcy, how about yourself? Uh, mine is going back to that, I mean, to uh, the Marvel special presentation, Werewolf by Night, because I feel like Gail Garcia Bernal did an incredible job bringing the humanity to this monster character. And at first you think he's a bad guy the way he's introduced, and it takes until encountering Swamp, uh, the man thing, Swamp Thing, one of the two, Swamp Thing, uh, <laughs> 
it takes until encountering that point where you see that he is a good guy and the, the joy on his face for finding his friend and seeing that he's all right and they can get out of there type of thing. I just, that one it still goes back to me. And again, that might be a bit recency bias like we're talking about earlier, but no one, not enough people were talking about Werewolf by Night for, for what it deserved because it did so good. And I think a lot of that was him driving that character's performance. Awesome choice. Yeah, and, and because it's not a movie, it's not even a, a long series, the, those special presentations do sort of, I haven't seen them talked about as much as, as other things. So I think that's a really, that's a really interesting choice. Uh, Just how about yourself? This was, uh, this was a bit of a tough one. I had, I had different people written down. Um, I had someone like Jeff Bridges uh, as Obadiah Stane. I, I loved his, his bit of acting. Tony Stark! Well. <laughs> built it in a cave <laughs> or whatever he says yeah and it's absolutely and it's 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 like it matched the tone of of the movie that they were going for that was very plausible and, and grounded um and his his character was justin that, that scene that uh, scene with the pizza i think is is oh yeah no phenomenal yes it's it's fantastic it's the reveal right it's where we get to see that you know Obadiah is his enemy. We 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 already kind of suspected it, but uh, no, I ended up going with Tom Hiddleston, and I don't think it's for any specific scene. I think it's just for the commitment to the character. You know, he has taken a comic book character and defined it on his own as an actor, and I think that you know very much how you know Robert Downey defined Tony Stark, but was very much himself. I think Tom Hiddleston deserves the the recognition especially for how long he's played the character at this point now he's played the character longer than robert downey jr played tony stark and you know he's gone from the movies now he has his own tv show and i hope he gets nominated for an emmy for loki at some point it would really be great to see him uh get recognized but yeah tom hiddleston he has been consistent throughout all of these four phases, and I'm excited to see what's next for phase five. I think that's a, an awesome choice. Uh, so we just talked about performances we loved. Now maybe ones we didn't love quite so much. If you could recast one character, who would it be, and if possible, with whom? Darce, lead us off here. Now this one I had a hard time with because... If MCU does one thing well, it is cast their characters because Damn they right. all do a very good job of bringing these characters from the colorful pages of comics to this giant screen. So none of this is that they did a bad job or anything like that. But the one that I was kind of a bit surprised when I heard they were cast uh, was Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. Because, mm. I mean, before we heard his voice or anything like that, I was kind of wondering how is this you know, pretty boy going to sound coming out of a raccoon. <laughs> That's not why I really, it doesn't really mesh in my mind. Uh, he did a great job. I love his voice for, uh, now and I love the character. But I think who I would have, I'd recast as would probably be Dane DeVito because he has <laughs> that, that little like <laughs> gremlin-y voice that I want coming from this raccoon. I feel like a Danny DeVito rocket raccoon would be awesome. <laughs> Just the, eh, 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 eh. either it's the penguin or Frank from It's Always Sunny. I can totally see Right, exactly, see exactly. That. <laughs> awesome, that's a great start to the question. Uh, Nate? Does Rocket Raccoon have like a grandfather or an uncle or something? Because that, there you go. That's how we get, that's how we get him in. Um, <clears throat> you know, speaking of sort of uh, shorter, not as much hair uh, guys in the MCU, uh, I think, <laughs> Ray Winstone as General Drakov was fine um, in 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 Black Widow, but I think you know a way that that character could have been elevated is with a more charming, more alluring 
actor because um, he he was kind of a trickster, right? He was kind of tricking, uh, you know, the you know Natasha's uh, parents in a way. The widows, um, yeah. and yeah. so he, you know, I think it would have been awesome to replace him with one of my favorite charming villains, and that's Billy Crudup. Um, I think would have been phenomenal Ooh. in that role. I think they could almost have. You know the parents fall for his charm, like he's he's really doing them a favor. Uh, and then we could see his struggle with his daughter, and because we're charmed as an audience, we sort of we understand. Oh yeah, I feel bad for this guy. And then on a dime, you know, we have that turning point in the movie. I think it would have been freaking awesome. And he's such a stellar actor. Um, I think he would have been great in that role. I love that answer. Uh, Just how about yourself? Man, I am a total cop-out because <laughs> I agree with Darcy, man. There is no one that I would recast in the MCU. I think Marvel has done such a great job at casting all their characters. Um, they're so consistent. They they know what they want to do. They know how to find the right look and the right feel and also how to move the character in a new direction with the casting that makes sense for the cinematic universe. And yeah, I, I don't think I would recast anyone. I, I think everyone did their role and and did great. I think there's characters that we don't need, but more or less everyone was casted properly. But you're going so you're going with the celestial no one. Okay. A celestial <laughs> no one. Fair. Sure. Fair. That's okay. You explained yeah. yourself well. You explained <laughs> yourself well. So it's okay. Uh I mean, I don't even know if this is a cop out or not. Maybe it is, but I'm going with Evan Peters in WandaVision. Cuz at this point, <laughs> we all knew or at least suspected that the multiverse was coming. And genuinely thought this was our first taste of it. And it would have been an amazing crossover event to have the Fox X-Men Quicksilver appear. It would have instantly cemented WandaVision as the, the boldest risk taken in the MCU. And instead, it was nothing but a psych-out. It was a mean uh, F you to the audience. And it honestly went nowhere. It was basically all for a boner joke. Um, <laughs> that tonally shifted the entire show for me whether whether I took it too seriously and got too offended by it or not that that changed the show for me and kind of brought my enjoyment of the series as a whole down a little bit with it so I would I wouldn't have I, w I wouldn't have done it in the first place if they weren't going to go for it or I would have you know I don't know cast anybody else but Evan Peters who played freaking Quicksilver her brother in a different iteration I would have cast anybody but him so that I'm still. If you can tell, if you if you can't tell, I am still salty about the whole <laughs> I, Evan Peters cop out. I I still think that was a tongue in cheek way of, of saying there's things to come. But uh, you still have hope. Yeah. Yeah, I still have yeah. hope. Obviously, it's a shame Boners uh, ruined WandaVision for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Boners. You hate Boners. Boners, boners ruin boner. a lot of things. I, I find you know <laughs> class presentations, that sort of thing. You know? um, now. Uh, 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 for our next question, I was actually going to uh, say the other iteration of Quicksilver, but I did go in a different uh, different di di uh, di uh, direction. Uh, and the question is the most underutilized character. That that boner's got me all tongue-tied. Oh, my <laughs> God. Hey, now you're thinking about boners. <laughs> uh, you know what? I've started it here. I've got myself a Rip. pretty deep hole. Oh, my God. It's never ending. Uh, okay. I'm going to go for most underutilized character. I'm going with ta Taskmaster in uh, Black Widow. Yeah. Uh, I think this, the, the character herself was actually quite interesting. The story, the, the family drama that plays out surrounding her. But... By now, we should be, you know, we should be used to to characters being altered uh, for the MCU. They and they generally do it so well. But I think 
this was one of those rare misses where it was just too far of a deviation from the source character, and there wasn't a good enough payoff at the end to justify the liberties they took with the character. Uh, and I'm really, really hoping that perhaps we'll get more uh, of a reason to care uh, come Thunderbolt's time. So uh, only time will tell. Nate, how about yourself? Um, I mean, originally I was going to go with Maria Hill because, like, where the heck is she? Um, but my, I, I think she's going to be popping up pretty soon. Um, but my real answer is the Warriors 3. Um, I think Fandral, the Dashing, Hogan, the Grim, and Volstag, the Enormous were like, where were they? They were there for like a, a penny of a t- moment and then they're gone and it's just really upsetting. It's not called Thor and Friends. No, but though, they should so. have. That's the thing. <laughs> it should have been a Thor and Friends adventure or or they could have, yeah. you know, gone off onto their own. Adv- whatever you want to do. Use them more. Use them more. Yeah, they're phenomenal yeah. characters. I'm sure, you know, Darcy can probably attest to the, the adventures they've had in the comics. And I think, you know, they're, I think they're just as important as someone like Heimdall. But they just didn't get their time to shine, and I feel like that was a, a big misstep, unfortunately. The, the, an even bigger misstep than Chris Hemsworth, uh, his beard in that movie. But uh, <laughs> no, those characters were so insignificant that they recast one of them, and nobody even nobody noticed. noticed. Batted an eye. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. Absolutely. That's absolutely <laughs> yeah. brutal. Uh, Darcy, how about yourself? I'm going with any villain from like the earlier phases because, I mean, Obadiah Stane, you mentioned him, Justin Hammer, Malekith even. All these characters are massive in the comics and have huge lasting story arcs with their they know, just opposing heroes. But in this one, they were just a bad guy that they killed off or sent to jail at the end of the movie and we never saw them again. And and that's a huge disservice to these characters because, again, Malekith is the one that comes to mind uh, most because he is, he is almost more Thor's... like ultimate villain than Loki because Loki is kind of on his side back and forth flip-flopping whereas Malekith is always against Thor and has some incredible storylines in the comics so Mm. to only have that one movie with Christopher Eccleston portraying Malekith a huge waste of of talent in my opinion because he is capable of so much and that character had so much more potential that we're we're probably never going to get to see and that's a bit disappointing. It's almost like they paid more uh, reverence for the heroes than they did the villains uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of yeah. the earlier phases and and even with something like gore right where where we hoped that he could come back somehow but but you're right Darcy it's like there there were they were one and done situations and that's that's not how the comic books treated those characters they they were ongoing oh my gosh this character this villain is back somehow mm-hmm. um you know somehow palpatine has returned i don't necessarily want that but <laughs> i i think you're absolutely right i think marvel could have probably handled the idea of you know what they're they're a bad guy for this movie but then we're going to bring them back you know four movies from now or in the next phase or something like that Mm-hmm. I almost I almost want to change my answer because of you, Dar. Sam Rockwell, <laughs> so wasted, but I think we might well, get a chance to redeem that coming up. So so I'll stick with my answer. Uh, just close us off here. Yeah, mine is uh, for most under underutilized character from Phase One to Four. I, I went with Ultron. Um, this was Ooh, yeah. uh, another great example. That was yeah. like prolific in the comics and had a lasting impression. Um, and all he really served was sort of to birth um vision but his character was so was so interesting because 
in many ways, he very much foreshadowed the events of what Thanos was going to do, right? He he was trying to achieve that earlier than Thanos. Plus, you know, he is the brainchild of Tony Stark, who just wanted to protect the world. And I think that was just such an interesting story uh, that, 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 again, ended up becoming so faceless in the final moments of, of it and, and just such a rehash of, of a threat. I just... So underutilized in WandaVision, I thought it was they were very much leaning towards potentially they somehow resurrected Ultron, and and that really in that sparkle got in my mind, and I was like, man, and I think that there's potentially an opportunity to do that, um, because who knows, maybe a bot did get away at the end of the Sokovia uh, uh, events, right? That that Vision didn't track, and then it becomes Vision that needs to track this new Ultron like I don't know anyways predictions going crazy here but yeah Ultron totally underutilized I'd love to see more of him hopefully in the future uh you know James Spader is James amazing Spader. in yeah. anything he does yeah. he did a great job yeah. with what he was given he was great I mean yeah the Ultron character for the 10 minutes that he appears in what if was better mm-hmm. than than what they did with him in in the movie named after him uh so that is a huge disappointment now speaking of disappointment let's close off our speed round on a dour note what was the most disappointing movie or show of the first four phases darcy start us off this one is pretty easy for me uh eternals this is something i don't know a lot about coming from the comics it's the one area that i kind of never delved too deep into so i was really hoping that this movie would really bring to light some cool characters and explain maybe the connection to thanos that that is there in the comics but that movie was just three hours of nonsense to me like nothing important came out of that the character's weren't endearing except for maybe Dane Whitman, Black Knight. I'm excited to see where his, his character goes, but that's only because of that end, end credit teaser. Other than that, that movie was useless to me. So yeah, Eternals was definitely the biggest disappointment because it didn't do anything to get me excited for this grand celestial threat. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll jump in with my answer because you mentioned characters falling flat. Uh, I'm going with Guardians 2. After the first one, which solidly remained cemented in my top fives. I was expecting a lot going into this, and it just it fell flat in all regards. Uh, you know, for example, characters like Drax, he didn't feel genuine or sincere. He wasn't uh, funny and naive. He was just a mean dickhead the whole time, and that wasn't the essence of the character that that made me fall in love with him in that first movie. Uh, I found you know we talked about James Gunn and his choices uh, choices for for soundtracks. The soundtrack was a huge letdown compared to the original. That wasn't one that I downloaded onto iTunes right away, you know? There just weren't enough catchy songs and and songs that I hadn't heard and were like, oh, I love that song. I'd forgotten about it. It just didn't have the same feel. And the, the movie as a whole just did not resonate with me the same way the first did. I found it was a step back instead of a step forward for the team as a whole. Uh, and that one just left, uh, left me very, very sad. Uh, Nate, how about yourself? Um, I actually love both those movies. Um, but my, my biggest disappointment, I think, I think we can all agree, uh, Doctor Strange and the mom, um, I thought was, uh, (laughs) a really unfortunate, uh, miss, uh, and, and one that I was really looking forward to. And I mean, we talked about this in the, in the geek back, so I'm not going to go too long on it, but just the, the mishandling of Wanda, right? We get such a phenomenal 
WandaVision and, and such a w- wonderful way to take that character and elevate her into something that people are like, whoa, we actually like Wanda and we actually like Vision? Wait, what? Uh, and then to bring us to Multiverse of Madness and just completely decimate her character and not even give us the Multiverse of Madness. Like, we go through a multiversal section for, like, four seconds that's in the trailer that we already saw, and we don't actually get to explore the multiverse. I get that you're trying to maybe set that up, and you're going to make it a bigger thing with Clea and all that stuff in the future, but but don't call it the multiverse of madness, and, and if it's a Doctor Strange movie, make it about Doctor Strange. So, um, that movie was disappointing and my score keeps getting lower and lower for it as i think about it more and more so uh, <laughs> i'm i'm yeah the multiverse I'm not gonna... of missed opportunity absolutely you there you go awesome all right just i went with two movies actually um i went with both doctor strange movies um i was disappointed by both the first one is a generic origin story that just tells you Here's Doctor Strange. Here's how he knows all his magic. Here's how he got the time stone. And that was it. Some really cool visual effects. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't think it pushed the boundaries as much as it could have. It played it safe. And then, you know, as you were mentioning, Nate, with a name like Multiverse of Madness, you would expect more madness. And I don't know, again, it played it very safe. It didn't necessarily lean uh, too far. It, It gave us a little bit more than the original and it got a little dark and it got a little weird. But... I still think that it played it safe, um, and especially for something that's hyped to be influential on the multiverse and, and really impacted, especially coming off the heels of something like Spider-Man No Way Home. It, it missed the bar for me. Um, things felt a little rush. Things felt like they weren't fleshed out enough. Um, so yeah, both, both Doctor Strange movies for me. And then in terms of television series, I wouldn't say anything is really disappointed. It's just that some TV series felt like it could have been better as a movie, like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I really loved the character building moments and, and what we learned in that series, but I think it could have been better as a movie. Yeah, I think that movie, or that would have made a better two-hour movie than a four- or five-hour long show. It almost dragged a little too much and, and lost focus uh, throughout its six-episode run. But, you know, we, we, we're, we've hit a bit of a down note, so now it's time to look ahead to the bright, bold, beautiful future of the MCU. Now we're going to look ahead at the upcoming Phase 5, uh, and share some hopes and speculation we have for what is part uh, of, of, of what is being called the multiverse saga. At this point, there are 12 movies and TV shows scheduled for this chapter of the cinematic adventure. But of course, that's always changing and transforming. So we'll do our best based on the information we have at this moment. Kevin Feige had some seriously awesome announcements when Marvel returned to Comic-Con last summer, and it definitely got us excited. As a heads up, this series of questions will likely include some Phase 6 elements as well, because uh, it too is part of the multiverse saga, and it's almost impossible to focus on one phase without talking about the other. Uh, But we'll do our best to keep it as Phase 5 as possible, except, of course, for this first question. (laughs) Uh, Now, to be fair... At one point, it looked like Fantastic Four was going to be part of Phase Five, and it's back been this, bumped back, back and when back this and podcast back. was written, right? That well, was when, when it started, yeah, yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so again, this first question focuses on a movie that I swear was originally part of Phase Five, but has been pushed back to Phase Six, probably because they haven't like cast anyone yet. Um, speaking of. Um, I think we should play a, a game that we used to play on the podcast uh, where we would cast or recast movies uh, to, to fit our wildest dreams and desires. 
Today, we're going to be doing that for Fantastic Four. Uh, and for fun, Again. I randomly assigned <laughs> each of us. Yes, we've done it before, but never like this. Because I have randomly assigned each of us to cast one of the four members of the first family of Marvel. And we have no knowledge of what other people pick. So we're going to put together the ultimate ragtag group of actors to bring this team to life. Uh, we are got to start with the de facto leader, Reed Richards. Justin, who are you bringing in to play the man? Um, I think I'm going to lean into the rumors that have been kind of swirling in and around uh, this actor, and, and it's Adam Driver. If you think about his look, it would work. A lot of people wanted to see him as Dr. Doom, but I feel like he already did the Kylo Ren, right? Like, it's kind of the same character and as an actor which adam driver is very passionate about his craft i feel like he would want to be challenged uh with a new role and i think what reed richards would ask of him as an actor would be a new challenge it would be something new for adam driver to really lean into interesting okay let's see how well he'll work with the other casting choices we have here behind every great man is a great woman so i'll go next here as i was assigned sue storm the invisible woman uh, and I'm going with an actress that constantly proves just how versatile of an actor she is. Sue Storm is the heart of the Fantastic Four. While Reed Richards might be their leader, when the superheroes are at each other's throats, it's always Sue who manages to calm everybody down and get the team back on track. I think whoever plays Sue needs to be able to find a balance between illustrating her bravery, her fierceness, her intelligence, but also her heart and compassion. And I think Jodie Comer would be the perfect actress to handle this role. We've seen how great she can be in a, in a chameleon-type role in Killing Eve. She can handle uh, the kind of humor that we might see uh, or expect to see from a Marvel version of this uh, from uh, Free Guy. So, yeah, I'm going with who I think is one of the best I, do you, is she still up and coming? I don't know. I think this it's her time to have that big mainstream breakout role, she's, and I think this would be perfect. She is she is heavily rumored for the role, too. Is that right? Oh, see, I tried not to yeah. look at any rumors so I could keep this perfectly within my own head here. But uh, I think everyone in Hollywood at, in this age bracket is probably— Is up for, you up know, for grabs. Free grade, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right, well, you know, what is Sue without her brother Johnny? Uh, Nate, you got the Human Torch. Who you bring into the table? You know, it's interesting you mentioned um, Jodie Comer, uh, who's you know phenomenal uh, as Ray's mother in Rise of Skywalker, uh, and uh, she. <laughs> <laughs> I went with uh, with actually someone who's also in Rise of Skywalker, uh, and Kevin. I'm glad you gave me Johnny Storm because I already came up with the best casting for him uh, in 2021. I'm going to go with my guy, John Boyega. Uh, I think he's got the chops to give us a modern version of Johnny Storm with swagger, comedy, uh, and depth at the same time. And I, I think that's one of the things that the MCU, you know, you, you know, the older Fantastic Four movies didn't necessarily even think about uh, with that character. But I think our modern MCU, it has to be something they're thinking about. Every character, uh, or at least maybe not the villains, but the heroes are very well thought out and 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 have to have that depth. Um, he's done with Star Wars. I think they burned him pretty badly. So now it's his turn to uh, flame on into the MCU. Oh, <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. You like that? You like that? Um, and John Hamm is Dr. Doom. Okay, go ahead. 
Uh, John Hamm. Interesting. Yeah. That's a, a lighter take maybe on the character. Can he be serious? Can he be scary? Can Dude, he be threatening? Because he I, can be threatening. He's like the king of comedy these days, I oh, find. Man. But uh, interesting out. choice. All right, Darce, we cannot have the Fantastic Four without our fourth member, the pilot himself. Uh, who do you have bringing the thing to the screen? Uh, this one was also very hard for me. I guess I don't really know actors or what they could p- portray in the MCU, but I went. I had two choices because I didn't know if we were going old or young uh, Fantastic Four. Seeing as we're going older, I'll get the young one out of the way now quickly. I was thinking Noah Schnapp would be a great young Ben Grimm to be the best friend to Reed Richards at you know whatever science camp or college or founding foundation that they're working at that leads them to space. I think that'd be really cool, and he could. Whoa. He's, he can. We've seen him portray some really deep emotions and stuff like that with Will and Stranger Things, and a lot of deep and emotional stories uh, happen around the thing because he's portrayed as this monster, despite having the heart of the the, the best friend you could ever have. Uh, but for the older cast that we've got going here i i went with jesse plemons because i think he could do he's shown that he can do that comedy with that deep range of emotion as well so i feel like he'd be a a really solid best friend especially if it was adam driver as reed richards i could see the two of them really having a lot of fun with those characters as well as exploring some of those dark parts so yeah jesse plemons for me as the ever-loving blue-eyed thing i like it you know we've seen him we've seen him play a rock before uh he got nominated for an award for power of the dog so i think he'd be uh perfect for uh for that role Sorry, that's a, a, a year-old Oscar joke. Uh, anyways, uh, I, needless to say, whoever they do cast, it will be quite surprising, and we are all eagerly anticipating the news. Uh, speaking of surprises, I wanted to know, guys, what is this, a surprise you're hoping to see? Because we're start, the news is starting to come in, right? We're starting to know schedules, release dates. A lot of details are coming out. But what is a surprise you're hoping to see that we don't know yet, even if it's a crazy-ass long shot? Nate, why don't you start us off? All right. Well, <clears throat> at the end of Eternals, you know, we got to hear Blade for the first time, Mahershala Ali. Uh, and we see Black Knight, Dane Whitman, is about to pick up the, uh, you know, the Ebony Blade. Um, and then Moon Knight came around. We got Man-Thing in Werewolf by Night. Uh, you to steal my answer? Listen, I'm going <laughs> to steal it because I think we absolutely need a Midnight Suns team up and... With the success that they found with Werewolf by Night, as well as the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, let's get another Halloween special. But to add a little bit more to this, to add a little bit more uh, spicy fire to this, uh, (laughs) I say we get Ghost Rider, uh, bring in the original Johnny Blaze, Mr. Nicholas motherfucking Cage. Uh, because yes. I will tell you, yes. he's he's been in some great roles and and in the past, and he that man can act. I don't care what people say. There's a movie called Pig that he was absolutely phenomenal in, um, and so to get almost like a, a you know, don't worry about the other Ghost Rider movies. Just give us a new version of Ghost Rider, but still Nicolas Cage in a very dark, somber, pig-like performance. I think would be an amazing way to bring him back to the MCU proper. And and I think it would be really cool if they, even if they didn't want to have him in for a full movie, it's just like, no, here's the Midnight Suns Halloween special. I think it could totally work. That would be a big surprise for me. 
you Sorry, Darcy. 100% stole my answer there, and that's okay because I'm glad that someone else shares the sentiment because I would love to see a Nick Cage Ghost Rider, especially if it is an older, grizzled you know, Ghost Rider at the end of his term as a spirit of vengeance before handing off the reins to the, the younger generation. I think it'd be really cool to explore just a, a, a haggard old Johnny Blaze with Nick Cage. And, yeah, give me that, please. Please. <laughs> and so, guys, but so, guys, does does he does he tone it down a little bit? Does he tone the 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 hamminess, the yeah. oh, the screams and the wails? He's absolutely he's a more d- refined actor in mm-hmm. the role. I like it. I like it. I think I think he almost deserves it because I think he's a huge comic book geek, and so it was probably a dream to play a character like this for him, especially after losing out on Superman so many years before. So yeah, give him a chance to be in a good Ghost Rider role. I think would be Woo. awesome. Um, uh, just how about yourself? Well, I gotta say, guys, uh, I love the idea of, of Ghost Rider. That's that's fantastic. But uh, screw Nick Cage; he had his time. We need a new Ghost Rider uh, in in uh, in the role. So um, I'm not talking about heroes that I want to see or villains or anything like that. I'm talking about actors that I want to see in the MCU. That is what I'm looking forward to. Uh, I would like to see someone like Ryan Gosling in the MCU. I would like Ooh. to see Pedro Pascal finally featured in the MCU. Uh, I would love to see Keanu Reeves in the MCU. All three of those characters are better actors than Nicolas Cage for Ghost Rider in the MCU, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, and I'd also like to see Jeremy Allen White uh, he's a fantastic yeah. actor. I would love to see him come in. Maybe he's a Cyclops. Maybe he's a Wolverine. Whoa. I think that, uh, you know, we're getting way out there in the weeds. How many surprises are I think we going to get, like Jim- Justin, from... <laughs> I'm just saying, man, I get it's about finding the right character in the right, right role, but there's some awesome, talented actors that, that can bring depth to these characters beyond, uh, you know, Nicolas Cage's hokey uh, ghostwriter. Interesting. I like these answers a lot more than mine, but uh, I gotta I gotta deliver mine anyways. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting because it's kind of it's almost tough to say what will be a surprise over the next few years, just because avid fans everywhere have basically predicted every possible scenario, uh, both realistic and wildly improbable that there is. They've kind of covered all the bases. So, can anything truly be considered a surprise if somebody's already predicted it? Um, that said, we were talking about Fantastic Four a little earlier, uh, and even though we've barely scratch the surface with Kang the Conqueror as our big bad, I think the multiverse saga, if if anything, will help to set up the next, maybe the phase seven big bad of the MCU, and that will be Doom. And now that might seem obvious because we got the Fantastic Four, of course, Doctor Doom's coming, but I'm not talking about Doctor Doom. I'm talking about Sorcerer Supreme Doom. Whoa. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll go so far as to have him wearing the putrid skin armor of his former lover. <laughs> that might be a little too dark yeah, for the MCU, <laughs> but I think I think they're, they, somebody needs to finally bring a good Doom to the screen, and I think you, you elevate the character to this ultimate pinnacle of, of his comic book status, and you've got your big bad for the next five years of Marvel movies running John the show. Hamm. John Hamm. John Hamm is think going John to be Hamm, your Doom Supreme. I like a little bit of ham in my Doom heat. Supreme. Sounds delicious. Yeah, we, you get that hokey Nick Cage performance, right? Exactly, so. exactly. Um, oh, all right. Uh, now, we've talked about characters we want to see, actors we want to see. Who's a character that we might not see anymore? Who's a character that you don't think will make it to phase six alive? Just. Lead us off with your doom and gloom prediction. 
Well, I think it's pretty obvious, guys. Thor is not going to make it to Phase Six alive. I think uh, if there's any character that's gonna that's gonna go, I think it, it makes sense for Thor to to pass on. He doesn't have a movie though for Phase Five, um, but who knows? The only other person I could think of potentially that's going to be involved in Phase Five is uh, Wongers. You think oh, Wongers no, is gonna no, no way? Wongers, my goodness. <laughs> no way. Madison's not gonna let that happen, dude. No way. Yeah, over her dead body. Yeah. But think about how crazy it would be. It'd be like Colson level loss. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> would resonate with audiences more than almost any other character. Uh, yeah, exactly. The beloved Wong. Okay, well, Justin's already got the saddest answer. Um, I don't know, maybe does somebody have like a more uh, obvious answer here? Let's go with Darsh. Who do you think is is eating dust? I mean, obviously, uh, Thor is at the top of the list too. That's only because Chris Hemsworth has said that the next appearance will probably be the finale for the character. Uh, so I was thinking more Nick Fury because it kind of leads into our next question uh, in who we're excited to see, but. He with Secret Invasion around the corner, I feel like we're gonna get a good closure to his character's story. Maybe him making the great sacrifice to protect the world uh, from from this invasion. So, I, I don't think he's long for for the MCU uh, just because what they have again coming around the corner. Interesting. Oh, and you're just gonna you're just gonna leave it just there. Leave it right you? there. Just, yeah, just leaving it right there. Well, I'll get right back to it on the next more. question. So. <laughs> I see. You're saving. I'm gonna do something kind of similar because I'm gonna be talking about this movie a little bit more. So I'll keep my intro short here. Um, but you know, uh, Thunderbolts very much, at least to me, kind of feels like the Marvel version of Suicide Squad. And so now, Suicide Squad spoilers coming. Um, but I think that we might see Bucky who's kind of going to be the de facto leader of the Thunderbolt squad, uh, if you will, I can see him dying much like Rick Flagg does in a heroic manner, meant to save his fellow team members. I'm not really sure what kind of space there is for a character like Bucky going forward. You know, we've, we're moving very, very far from that kind of street-level realm where he would sort of fit in, and so I could see... Uh, him going out on a high note as a character and and doing something you know to to save or protect his his newfound family, if you will. Yeah. To be fair, in the comics, his character does have a very celestial uh, end goal in that he becomes the Watcher on the Wall and kind of becomes one of Earth's first defenses against these great evils, kind of sniping from this celestial like this orbiting station or whatever. He keeps an eye on everything. So the Watcher yeah. on the Wall. Are we talking yeah. Game of Thrones now? <laughs> Um, okay, interesting. I don't see, but I can't picture them taking this Bucky that we know. You know, Understood. it's yeah. harder to do, yeah. I think, in a movie form. So, yeah, I think he might bite the dust. Uh, Nate, you know, Darcy, uh, how dare he? He stole my answer of uh, of <laughs> Nick Fury. Uh, so I'm going to switch it up in the last minute here, uh, and I think that this the the, the end of Phase Six uh, will bring about the end of. Stephen Strange. Um, I think that, you know, Kevin Feige very much said the multiverse saga, you know, Stephen Strange is the anchor of the multiverse saga and Benedict Cumberbatch is that anchor. And I really do think that this is sort of going to be his grand sort of, he's the Tony Stark of the multiverse saga. Um, So I think he's going to be making 
that ultimate sacrifice come secret wars uh to 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 help us get to that place where the mcu resets and we're able to move forward uh with with new characters and new avengers and and be okay with it um and i i really really hope that between now and and phase six whatever they do even if he doesn't get another movie i hope they really do give him a really good time to shine as Dr. Stephen Strange, better than the second movie, better than the first movie. Um, I, I think they really have an opportunity to do that. Well, and I mean, if my prediction is going to come true and there's a new Sorcerer Supreme, you got to get rid of the old one. Right. Uh, so as long as he doesn't go out in true Tony Stark style and, and have his last words be something like, I am... Doctor Strange, then I'm all for it. I think that could work Snaps really, his fingers really well. Yeah. You'd have to lose Doctor Strange and Wong to get Supreme, right. uh, uh, Doom Supreme in, in place. I don't, there, I don't want Doom so. Supreme anymore. I don't want him anymore. Sorry, Kevin. I don't want Doom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, he is inevitable. Okay, oh, there. Oh. Boom. I'm stealing another one of uh, Tony Stark's last lines. All, the movies all right. Well, as the old adage goes, that's Thanos's. That's Thanos's last line. Well. Right, I'm right, inevitable. right, right. But uh, <laughs> as one door or window closes, another one opens, right? That's how we deal When one Dormammu uh, closes... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> another Dormammu <laughs> opens. Uh, so while it's it's guaranteed we're going to be losing some beloved characters, we're also going to be introduced to some new ones over the next few years. So who is the new character you're most excited to see debut? Dars? Well, again, I, I kind of lead, led off up to this question with my with Nick Fury being uh, killed by the end of Phase 6. I think Abigail Brand is probably the character I'm most excited for. As the director of S.W.O.R.D., with Amelia Clark uh, portraying her in Secret Evasion. First off, she's a mutant, so you know me, and I love my mutants, and anytime I can get a mutant connection in the MCU, I'm going to be stoked. And she is, again, the director of S.W.O.R.D.'s. Uh, filling a new role of, again, this widespread protect, uh, protection agency that is fighting all these super threats. And again, she's got connections with X-Men as a, a paramour to Beast for on and off again relationship for mm. a long time. So yeah, her character is probably the one I'm most excited for because there is so much potential for like, to open the door to so many new new avenues with her. And do you think in, in Secret Invasion, she will be at that point the director of S.W.O.R.D.? Because I feel like she's so like low level in this one unless that's that's just sleight of hand where they're just kind of like leading us in the wrong direction again it's interesting that she's coming in on secret evasion because she is half alien half human so she probably right. is already coming from space to try and stop this invasion and maybe her working on earth is what gets her or sets her up to, to create sword as this you know protection agency but again a lot of potential with that character and the, the, again Amelia clark bringing her to life is has me so excited because we all love Danny despite that last season being, you know, wet from all our memories. She was incredible in Game of Thrones. So I cannot wait to see what she does with the character of Abigail Brand. Well, and I mean, you don't bring in someone like Amelia Clark, you know, in a major franchise um, and, and just, you know, give her a one and done moment. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you brought her into something like Star Wars, like she'd have to go on forever, right? Like, <laughs> they would keep her coming mm. back, and she'd be such an important character. Uh, no, I really like that answer, that Darcy. That's dish? actually one of those ones that I'm like, I didn't even, that wasn't even on my radar as as something to consider. So that's great. Fair enough. And, you know, because you were such a smart ass towards the end of that there, Nate, <laughs> I'm going to make you go next. Who are you excited to see? <laughs> okay, well, so this is where I got a little confused with this question of, like, does it have to be somebody that's already cast? Like, 
if that's the case, then I love love and I want more love and I can't wait to see love again uh, in the MCU. Uh, but I went with um, Miles Morales, I think would be phenomenal if we can sneak in a little Spider-Man movie by like, I don't know, the end of phase six. I can't remember when the last Spider-Verse movie uh, comes out. But my thought was to get, and this might be also like just a big surprise that I'm hoping for out of left field that's probably not going to happen. But I think Shameik Moore uh, as Miles Morales in the MCU after Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse is released would be freaking cool. Um, We wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't need an origin story. We've already seen it. Uh, And sure, he's supposed to be older or sorry, younger than Peter traditionally, but the MCU has made big changes to characters in the past. And I think this would be an incredible way for Sony and Marvel to play nice together and a phenomenal way for us to celebrate the end of Miles' animated story and then the ending of Peter's story in the MCU, allowing Tom Holland to take a break and Shameik Moore to swing in and then maybe even help mentor a young live action Mayday Parker. Uh, as a new member of the the Young Avengers, I think would be super cool. And like, you could even have this like really awkward interaction where he hears Gwen Stacy's voice, but it's just Kate Bishop, right? And you can have that little tongue in cheek fun moment between the two of them where he thinks it's Gwen, but it's not, even though it actually is. I don't know. I think that would be really fun. I know that's like <laughs> crazy, crazy, but yeah, that's what I'm going with. If, with what happened in, say, What If with Peggy Carter starting as a cartoon form of the character and coming into the live yeah. action, anything is possible. They've opened the door for anything, and I like that. I think it could be uh, a really cool way of of helping Tom Holland stay in the MCU but not be bogged down with so much responsibility if he wants to explore different avenues. And to be clear, he would be from Tom Holland's universe. He wouldn't be some sort of multiversal Spider-Man. No, I'm almost wondering right? if... He would be like Miles No, I, I legitimately think the fact that there's rumors of, of Tom Holland's Spider-Man showing up in, in the Spider-Verse movies, I think let's go full, fo- let's go full force. It's, it's this Miles Morales from the animated side in the live-action side. And they, but like, that's if it. they do it again, if they do the Peggy Carter thing again, this time I want to see the cartoon sure. character step into the real world. Yeah. Get, like, Enchanted imagine did it. that transformation on screen. That would be, that cool. would be dope. That would be I'm dope. Down. I'm in. I'm in. I'm liking these. I'm liking these answers, Justin. Keep we, the train. We rolling. had what an animated character? world in Doctor Strange and <laughs> right. the, the Multiverse of Madness for half a second. Like they flew through oh, yeah. that world, <laughs> so it exists. <laughs> Yeah, but we also had floating music notes fighting each other in that. So let's not bring that <laughs> yeah, up as which, an example of something we want up, to yeah. see, okay? Uh, just who do you want to see? Who are you excited for? You know, I think for in terms of new characters that we're finally going to be able to see in the next phase, um, I, I'm I'm hoping we will see Mahershal Ali's Blade. I, I'm very excited for that. Um, but also, like, Quantum Mania is just around the corner here. And, yeah, like... I can't wait to see more of Kang and, you know, the idea that his, he has variants and sprinkling that throughout leading us to Kang, Kang Dynasty. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yep, You, uh, you sunk your teeth, uh, so to speak, into uh, my answer there, Just. Uh, I loved two of the Wesley Snipe movies featuring this character, uh, particularly Guillermo del Toro's Blade Two. Uh, but like you said, now that we're talking Mahershala Ali, let's in the titular role, let's go. Plus, as Darcy mentioned earlier, it's I'm almost certain that once we get Blade, we're going to be bringing back my boy Kit Harrington as Dane Whitman or the Black Knight. Uh, and so I think just that with the potential to explore the more mystical or spooky side of the MCU, because 
they they it seems like you know they they miss some opportunities with say the original Doctor Strange, which still irks Justin fiercely to this day <laughs> to go into that sort of spooky mystical side. It looks like with that Halloween special, at least, they, there's the potential that they're like, oh, okay, this is maybe how we sort of do it right. And so I think the Blade character, it, it, it can bring a whole new dimension, a whole new tone to the MCU that we haven't really seen or explored. So, yeah, I'm I'm stoked for Blade. And that was the best thing to come out of um, Eternals was that that stinger that, that got me pumped up to, to see those two characters again. Uh, all right. We are here, boys. We are at our final Question uh, for the show. What is the movie or show that's been announced that you're looking forward to? Uh, and so I'll, I'll lead off here because I think there's there's some really obvious answers that we're going to get between Phase 5 and Phase 6. Nate, you were asking, how far into the future can I go? And I said, man, rules are for suckers. Do whatever you want. Do whatever makes you feel good, bud. Uh, but so I might, I'll might i leave some of those for you guys to explore, perhaps. Uh, I'm going with Thunderbolts. Uh, I mentioned it again. It's, you know, the movie's expected to bring back a lot of great secondary characters uh, that have kind of not been utilized to their fullest potential yet. And the cast alone, the chemistry between some of these actors, if handled correctly, could be uh, amazing. Like, just imagine the possibilities with the lineup, like Sebastian Stan's Bucky, Florence Pugh's Yelena, David Harbour's Red Guardian, Wyatt Russell's John Walker, etc., etc., etc. This is, like I said earlier, the MCU's version of the Suicide Squad. And now... Uh, as much as, uh, you know, William Hurt did a great job in his role in the MCU, now we got my boy, the whip-cracking, pistol-blasting Harrison freaking Ford. Uh, I am beyond... Anytime Harrison Ford pops up in something, I'm like, oh, so it's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> and this is no exception. Give me Thunderbolts. I am stoked. I'm ready for it. Uh, Darius, how about yourself? What movie or show are you most looking forward to? Well, I had a movie and show. You just did a great job talking about the movie I'm excited for, so I'm going to just focus on the show, which I've also already talked about, and it's Secret Invasion. Uh, it's a wicked storyline in the comics, and again, the cast they have pegged for the show with Amelia Clark as Abigail Brand, Martin Freeman coming back as, um, oh, what is his character's name? Slip in my mind now. Martin Freeman is back uh, as the as the agent kind of working for for Nick Fury. I'm not sure. It's just the spy thriller with aliens. I can't wait to see how they unpack that in this show and and what lasting effects are going to obviously play into maybe Secret Wars or something like that. I'm I'm so excited. And of course you're talking about the other uh, character named Ross in the MCU. Yes, Everett That's Ross. Everett K. Yes. Ross. Yes. yes. Very confusing. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, just how about yourself? What do you got for most anticipated movie or show oh man this is tough you know they all look great like we've talked about you know we're looking forward to seeing blade you know you guys talked about thunderbolts which which is definitely going to be good i I gotta say just because of um proximity bias i i'll call it no never mind Uh, i gotta say i'm actually really excited for ant-man and the wasp quantum mania you know as the official kickoff to phase five and and this multiversal saga uh and the introduction of jonathan majors um and with that i think for favorite show i'd have to go with loki because i i I think he's going to be showing up there as well and um yeah just to see more of his story told throughout the rest of these uh uh different movies and series that's what's really going to be interesting i want to see more kang and understand the this villain and uh 
yeah, Jonathan Majors is just great. So, yeah, Loki season two for for most anticipated show. As long as we get Owen Wilson on a jet ski, damn it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, okay, no, no reaction. I cool. laughed. Uh, <laughs> no, nobody wants to see that jet ski as much as I do. I guess. Uh, Nate, what are you actually excited about coming up in the MCU? Well, it's funny because I think Owen Wilson on a jet ski uh, in in the next Spider-Man movie is what I'm most excited for. Uh, with Shamik Moore as Miles Morales and Owen Wilson together, uh, I think is probably the one that I'm looking forward to the most. Um, no, I, uh, you know, I think um, for 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 a show, uh, Ironheart. I think any anything that's going to push forward, you know, the 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 young Avengers, anything that's going to push forward the continuation of the replacement of the MCU as we know it, as much as we just talked about how much we love all of these people, it's time to get to some new teams let's get to some new actors and some new you know versions of these characters and i think it's going to be incredible to see the next you know sort of version of iron man right the 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 with i think she was she was great in in black panther but i'm really excited to sort of see her uh and her character grow uh throughout the series um for movie though and this is going to sound silly because we're so far away uh, but it's the end of Phase 6, Secret Wars. I am so intrigued because, you know, again, they, they might not top Endgame, but but they're going to give us something huge and bombastic. And my hope and my prayer is that it does just what I was just talking about. It resets our concept of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you have to imagine at that point, maybe Kang is already dealt with uh, in Kang Dynasty. So who's replacing him, right? Like we were talking about. Is it Doom? Is it Galactus uh, that makes an emergence? Um, I can almost see a scene where, you know, you've got all the Celestials just surrounding everyone, about to just completely, I don't know, decimate everybody. And in one move, in one swing, Galactus just takes out every single Celestial in a moment that is just like, you know, it's it's one of the top moments of the MCU. Like that's what I'm envisioning in my head. I don't know if that's wishful thinking, um, but I really do think it would be phenomenal. And I love the idea that it's possible with this movie that maybe it isn't Galactus. Maybe the the biggest you know threat to our heroes is themselves uh, or a multiversal version of themselves. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait. Um, I'm looking most forward to. The end. <laughs> so you cheated, but that's fine. I'm going to allow it because it's a badass answer uh, and it's very exciting. Honestly, we could probably talk about this stuff until the end of time. And you're talking about something that's three long years away with so much to happen in between. Uh, but we have a new Ant-Man movie coming out very, very soon. We do not have to wait long for that. Uh, you know, as Vision said, a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. So we're going to wrap it here, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Geek-Centric Podcast for our MCU look back and look ahead. We'd love to know all of your thoughts and opinions on the questions we tackled regarding the existing MCU catalog, as well as hear what you're most excited for as the multiverse saga marches onward. So hit us up at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com, or if that would be more disappointing than a Doctor Strange movie to Justin, hit us up <laughs> on Twitter at GeekCentricYT or on Instagram at WeAreGeekCentric. This is just the beginning of our ongoing Marvel coverage. Stay tuned for reviews and interviews from the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. 
In addition, we have two watch clubs running simultaneously. We are busy, busy guys with our ongoing coverage of Season 2 of Star Wars The Bad Batch and Season 1 of the global phenomenon that is The Last of Us. Plus, there is so much more to come, so stay tuned for all of the geeky fun. But until then, thank you for joining us. And as we say, love ya. Laters. Get home safe, guys. Peace. Peace.